0: Welcome to Set That Bitch Free, the Your Inner Babe podcast. Obviously, I have no voice today. It's left the building, but I'm here, and I'm really excited to interview our guest today. She's near and dear to my heart. I actually had the pleasure of growing up with her, but she's currently a correspondent for NBC's 4 LA, and she's a host for IMDb. In May of 2017, she was named a co-host of Chicago's newest morning show, WCIU's The Jam. Previously, she was a host and producer on CBS's Entertainment Tonight's Online, and she's hosted live TV shows, red carpet events, interviewed the biggest names in Hollywood from Bradley Cooper to Taylor Swift, Helen Mirren to Tom Hanks, and I get to interview her today, which is so much fun. So Danielle, thank you so much for being here. It's such an honor to have you on Set That Bitch Free.
1: Jax, first of all, the honor is all mine. I love you so much. I always have. And uh, wow, what an intro. Thank you.
0: (laughs) You know, know, I pride myself on my intros. but
1: I didn't know that, but they are damn good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Coming from you, I mean, I'm flattered, but (laughs) it's crazy kind of full circle to sit and get to talk to you today because I talked to you, I mean, right in the beginning of when I started Your Inner Babe and I grew up with you and I just, I'm so, so, so inspired by you. And I know I've told you that a hundred million times and I'll say it a hundred million times again, but I guess I just want everyone to have the opportunity to be inspired by you as well. But can you tell my listeners like who is Danielle Robey?
1: I'm still figuring that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but I really do believe that I think like we're all in constant evolution. I um when I was younger, I always think I've had like the same core, but when I was in college, I was like. I would look around and I was like, people are like, so I can tell, like they didn't know who they were. And I felt like I really knew who I was. And then I looked <laughs> back at that and I was like, oh, wow, that's so embarrassing that I thought I knew who <laughs> I was. <laughs>
0: I know. We're all the same.
1: You know, like I, just, um, but maybe I think blind naivete helps a little bit. Like sometimes you kind of like have to just move forward instead of like overthinking things all the time. Um, but I'm definitely a loyal friend, um, a person who deeply loves their family. Like I know everyone loves their family, but it like really runs deep in me. I'm really, uh, goal oriented. Like it makes me happy. Um, I'd rather like sit and work than go out, which is maybe not a good thing, but it's definitely just the truth. And I'm someone who as trite as it sounds, believes that anything is possible. I love that.
0: I really do love that. And I actually totally agree. I think the only limits that we believe in life are the ones we allow ourselves to believe. So
1: Mm -hmm.
0: couldn't agree more with that. But I mean, I always knew that you would be successful, but did you always know that you wanted to work in TV and entertainment?
1: Thank you for saying that. I always wanted to work in entertainment. I like from a very young age, I would watch hours and hours of television and my dad would yell at me. Um, he would get so angry and he was like, You're wasting your brain. What are you doing? Stop watching TV. And now he laughs and he's like, Oh, you were just doing research. Um, but yeah, I grew up loving it. I think um pop culture is it holds a mirror up to where we are. So, like, yes, I wanted to see what J Lo and Kim Kardashian were wearing, but I also I really felt like the topics coming up in pop culture said more about it reflected where we were at in society, you know? So like Kim Kardashian's paper magazine cover, for instance, um, I remember, you know, when she broke the internet, Mm -hmm. like that one came out and everybody was writing like, how dare you pose naked and pose like that on a magazine cover? You're a mom now. And I remember thinking like, that's so interesting. We totally desexualize moms in our, in American society. And so like, you know, like this very like silly sort of, whatever pop culture moment meant a lot more to me. And that's always kind of like how my mind worked. And so I knew I always wanted to be a part of informing that. Yeah.
0: I mean, who, or I guess what inspired you to get into the industry that, I mean, watching TV, you know, like, is there anyone even specific or anything that you can pinpoint that was like, Oh, this is it. This is what I'm so inspired by this.
1: It's a really good question. I think there were like a multitude of people, um, like that kind of were building blocks over time. This sounds so ridiculous, but I remember watching Sophia Bush in One Tree Hill and (laughs) being like, right? And I was just like, oh my God, like she just says everything that's on her mind. Like that's a badass female character. And I remember thinking like, that's so cool that she gets to do that for a living. And then I remember I met um, Justin Roman from B96, which is like our Chicago, you know, major pop station. And he taught me how to write music and helped me put out like a very embarrassing EP that is nowhere to be found now. Um, but it gave me a taste of like the music industry and what that was like and what being in a recording booth was like. And then I worked at a radio station. And then when I was in college and I worked at a TV station, it all just clicked. I was like, oh, this is what it was all leading up to. Like I'm supposed to be informing the news.
0: Hmm. I mean, you were the youngest uh TV host in Chicago, right? Youngest morning. Yeah, you were the young you you were for sure. Yeah,
1: which is crazy, but I think it's true.
0: <laughs> no, it is, it is. And so during your time on the jam and at WCIU, were I mean it's incredible to think that you were the youngest, but how did that make you feel? Like was there more pressure to excel?
1: Yeah, I mean not so much pressure, but I think my whole life I felt um that nobody – I was always, like, wanting to be taken seriously. And I was either, like, the only woman or girl in the room, the youngest in the – like, I was always, like, kind of, like, the only in the room leading up to that point. And so when I was the youngest, I, I once again felt like, oh, no one's taking me seriously. Like, my – co, one of my co-hosts was a guy who was awesome, but he was six seven and played D1 basketball. And, like, he walked in the room and, like, he didn't even have to speak. His presence was felt, you know? And I walk in the room and you could barely see me. I'm five one. <laughs> so It was just like a really interesting um, sort of experiment with myself that I had to like really through trial and error and like honestly some, some major mistakes and what I think is like a corporate error um, just to like figure out how to best assert myself, when to be quiet, when to speak up, all those types of things.
0: Yeah, can you speak to that? I mean, what was, yeah, can you say error, tell me more. I'm nosy, so.
1: No, 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 it's a gr- that's a great interviewer. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think specifics like I love when people give me specifics. So, um for instance, my some of, like my colleagues would um kind of like interrupt me while I was speaking like whether it was like on air or off air and I had to learn like when to roll with it and when to be like, excuse me, I wasn't finished, mm. you know? And like saying that also is not good. Like I had to learn different like verbiage. So I like would talk about it with people and be like, Hey, just let me finish real quick. You know? Cause that's like, nicer than excuse me. I wasn't finished <laughs> like little things like that. Or like my therapist taught me to say, um, instead of like, hey, I really need this by 6 p.m. or whatever, you use the word wanting. So you can say like, hey, I'm really wanting to receive this document by 6 p.m. tonight. And Mm -hmm. it kind of just changes how you feel about or how someone receives that maybe sort of assertive email, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Little things like that. Because I think specifically as women, we lose political capital when we're deemed harsh. Mm -hmm.
0: And I mean, I know you're extremely dedicated to making women's voices heard and making sure they're amplified in the entertainment industry. So I definitely want you to speak on the work that you're do- like you're doing right now or you have done to ensure that that's a, that's a thing.
1: Thanks, Jax. Um, yeah, I mean, there's two. I work with Planned Parenthood and Step Up Women's Network and um, they have both of those organizations have bases all across the country. So if you're looking to get involved with either one of them, feel free to hit me up. Um, they're awesome. And um, I've met really, really smart, cool people working with both of those organizations. And then um, I always think like, I think back to Barbara Walters, because I always say I want to be the millennial Barbara. And she created The View. So like never before had there been five women talking on TV about their opinions, about things that were like political and pop culture And she made that happen. And I think it changed how we view women on TV, how we speak to women, how women are spoken to. And so that's always been my goal in whatever I do um, in tangent with trying to try and make like things that maybe are deemed dorky cool. Like I love books and I love like learning and all of that stuff. And like, I wish that there was someone like when I was growing up, like for us both, I'd, I'd love to know who your people were, but like I just remember everything being about Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. Oh my God. Yes. yes. And like, what nonsense. Uh-huh. You know, Absolutely. Uh-huh. like we had no good role models and it was like all about like having an eating disorder. And it's just like, it was so messed up. And I think now with Instagram, there's so many more people like Jamila Jamil and Sophia Bush and, um, Brittany Pacchetti. Like there's so many people we can look up to. And, um, I just strive to be like, a person who adds value.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I could not relate to that more. I think that that's that was a huge contributing factor to my struggle was seeing that the, like the icon that I was living or working to be was this Paris Hilton or this, you know, like I was talking to my voice teacher actually yesterday. I still sing, but not for anything other than myself. But I was talking to him, and we were talking about how it's so interesting. Like my journey as a performer, I was so, cut down so much and not to say not everyone was, but the things and the people that I was compared to and my weight was compared to, and all these things were just unrealistic standards. Cause that wasn't me. Right. You know? So now, especially with what I do, it's so important to me to be one of those people on Instagram and social media as well, because it's very easy to get caught up in trying to be something that we're just not. And I think that that, I mean, I think back to when that started and I, it's funny you say Paris Hilton, cause I, I would have totally used her as an example as well.
1: That's exactly it. And I think, um, you know, a lot of times when people, cho- when we choose our careers, like people that go into passion jobs, I would say, um, I always think that we choose them in part to heal ourselves. Um, it's for sure, you know, what I'm doing. I feel like, um, maybe just from what you said, that's part of what you're Absolutely. doing. Yeah. We want to put good stuff forward instead of like perpetuating the stuff that hurt us.
0: Yeah. We want to be the people we needed back when we needed them. Exactly. So I'm so curious because you're really in it, but obviously it's an interesting time and an amazing time for women, but is the industry changed a lot since the Me Too movements and all of that?
1: That's such a good question. I mean, I'm in one facet of it, so I like would be hesitant to speak on it for I think like actresses probably have it even harder than I do. But as a host, I see some things changing, um and in many ways nothing has changed unfortunately. What has changed is like the the ability to have the conversation about it in public. Like before it was so taboo to talk about like wanting to be paid equally or like complaining that, you know, my boss would um, comment on my hair or what I was wearing or stuff like that. And it, it's this like very weird gray line, I think constantly that like the reason the vo- our vocabulary for me to like took so long to attain is because it's not black and white. It's not like this, like Harvey Weinstein was wrong. You know, that's like very clear, but in a lot of instances so much of it is gray and so like you know i am in i'm in front of the camera so is it okay if my boss comments on my hair and my clothing uh-huh i don't know maybe <laughs> right 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 <laughs> it right make right. me feel good but maybe maybe does he do it to my male co-host you know um and things like that i think um you know equal pay is still probably like the preeminent issue and that has I don't see has gotten better in in many ways. I'm still really working towards that um personally and and hopefully trying to support others in that. But yeah, I think at least we're we're able to have the conversation with people and I think um I think men have like in in my sphere at least have really been supportive and come around for the most part. Like 9 out of 10 of them are like willing to have the conversation and wanting to learn and I think that's so cool.
0: Yeah, I love that. That makes me really happy to hear.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because um, I've been like single now for a year and dating now is super different than it was three years ago. Oh, please explain because well, I'm married. So I'm out
0: of I'm I'm very much out of the game. You're so lucky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the game is horrible. No, but like um it's like I found I saw a meme the other day and it was like sex is great but have you ever met a guy who goes to therapy? <laughs> I like, love that. That's like how I feel when I'm dating someone. Like if you aren't If you aren't like thoughtful and excuse me for using this word, but woke, because I guess it's like a nice way to say it. Like I'm not interested in dating you. And like three years ago, I wouldn't have really known to ask those questions, I think. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I would have dated somebody that was like chauvinistic for way longer. Uh Uh-huh. It's
0: just such a different time. It really is. And it's scary and amazing and so many different things all at one time.
1: Entirely.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about what you're up to these days? Because like I said, before we started recording, I got to run into you all the time when you were here on the jam, but I don't, I lost you to LA. So, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing.
1: I know now you and I are digital friends because we share contacts to everything. We're like, wait, who does, who should we use for hair in New York?
0: Fully, fully. Um, <laughs> just an arsenal of hair and makeup. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Therapist, acupuncture.
0: Oh, it's up there.
1: <laughs> Um Yeah. So I'm a correspondent and host for IMDB and then, um, I work on a show called California Live on the NBC affiliate here. And then um, I do live events with AT&T, which are super cool, like a lot of basketball stuff and South by Southwest I'll be doing. And then um, I'm most excited. I'm starting a video podcast and community called Pretty Smart. And that's that's my first love. I've had it on my mind for like three years and I'm finally doing it.
0: Oh, my God. Can you talk about it?
1: Yeah. I read a book called Beauty Sick by Dr. Renee Engel, who, um, is a professor at Northwestern actually. And the book changed my life. Um, if you haven't read it, I feel like you will love it. I need a book actually. So that's good. Oh, I read it actually three years ago over like the holidays this time. And in the first chapter, she, um, talks about this study where she says, uh, She asked her students who were all women, would you rather be considered fat or hit by a car? And 54% of women said, I'd rather be hit by a car. Oh my God, I just got chills. And when I read that, my heart sank to my stomach because there was a point in my life where I would have said that too. And having healed that part of me, or I guess tried, or hopefully I have healed that, you never know, (laughs) but I think I've healed that part of me. Um, I'm like, wow, I can't like that is so warped that I would be willing to forgo like my physical and mental health to not be considered fat and not feel fat. And so I realized when I read that book that you know, it's a, we're never going to not think about being pretty. It's always going to be like we all care about clothes and hair and makeup and it's fun and it's an expression of who we are and that's cool. It can be one of the 10 things we think about. It can't be the number one thing we think about because you're just not, you're not fulfilling your spirit or your soul. It's not what makes us happy or confident. And so I really wanted to create a platform for women. Like I've, I've made all these amazing contacts living in LA and traveling to New York and Chicago and like I want to share all of these trailblazers wisdom with the younger generation of trailblazers. Like I'm so obsessed with the next generation of ambitious women. And I I feel like we learn through other people's stories. So I want to help. I want to be a conduit to those stories for those younger
0: girls. That's so amazing. I can't wait for that. I'm really, really so happy for
1: you. Thank you. You're going to have to be a part of it.
0: Oh, please. I mean, it's it's right up my alley, but... Yeah. I mean, that really hits home for me because I I definitely would have said the same thing. I would have been a part of that 54% for sure. Yeah. And I mean, now personally, it's like, I know when I'm not okay, when my appearance occupies yep. my entire mind, you know, like that is my tell at this point, the awareness that I have about myself and all the work that, that I've done to heal that part of me. When it takes over my mind, I'm like, I'm not okay. And the amount of people who don't have that awareness or are fixated on it to the extreme of wanting to get hit by a car, you know, like there's so much healing to be done. And I, I like you said, I think we learn from other people. And I'm just, I'm super excited about that. That sounds so great. And I'm definitely gonna read the
1: book. I love that you said that because I've noticed that too. Like if I start feeling like my weight is starting to affect how I feel that day, I have to like check in and be like, okay, what are you actually sad about? What do you feel out of control about? Like, this is not the problem. (laughs)
0: Right. It's a symptom. It's a symptom. It's not the root. Like that's not what's, that's not the, that's not the problem. No. And I, I have done a lot of work on that recently. And I now know so clearly that it is such a symptom,
1: That's so not the root. I know. I wish someone would have told me that 10 years ago. I mean, yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I like to when I was in college. Oh my God. Especially when I was in college. Yeah. I read recently actually that you plan to be the Titan of cerebral entertainment. Can you just more <laughs> to that? I love that. That's so sweet.
1: Yeah. I, so kind of like what we talked about earlier with Kim Kardashian and the paper magazine cover, like I've always felt like pop culture holds a mirror up to who we are as a society and like where we're going and what we're okay with and what we're not okay with and I feel like entertainment is is more than just nonsense or like reality gossip and so I just like started calling it cerebral entertainment and I was like you know IMDb actually falls into that like they do such smart content and during like the reality tv craze i feel like america was being fed a bunch of nonsense like duck dynasty and honey boo boo and jersey shore and like that if you if we are what we eat we think about what we consume all day so like we have to go on a content diet oh yeah <laughs> a content limit. Yeah. uh so you know like think about what you're consuming i did that with my own instagram have you ever done that like a clean out yeah
0: yeah. It's like my favorite thing to do. I did. So I actually did it today. I went through an hour of like, I need to, I need to clear the clutter, but yeah, keep going. Do you
1: unfollow or do you mute? Both. It really depends. It's like, <laughs> it's like,
0: it's like if, if this person like, isn't making me, if this person's making me feel actually some, some type of way I, they're out. But if this person's just like kind of annoying me and I like just don't need to see what they're posting, then I'm going to mute. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's how I felt. I, I, about like four years ago, three years ago, I unfollowed all the Kardashians, all of the girls that were posting about like just strictly like Insta stuff. And it felt like, um, not like fake, but just didn't make me feel good. You know, like just too much about just solely their looks. Um, and I replaced all those people with like writers, professors, therapists, activists. And the what I thought about every day totally changed. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, we're not really thinking about what we're consuming all the time. And so I was like, I want to be consuming cerebral entertainment and I also want to be putting that out there. I love that. Yeah. You're cool. Thanks. You're the best. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're so cool. But you've always been cool. You've always had like swag. Oh, please. Who's the
0: most, actually, this is, I was really excited to ask you this. I don't know if it's going to be like asking a chef their favorite recipe, but like, who's the most interesting person you've ever interviewed during your time in the entertainment
1: industry? You know, I'm so like, I feel so bummed about this lately because my answer to that was always Simon Cowell Uh Um, because he honestly shocked me. Like He was one of my first red carpet interviews and he was charming and charismatic and kind to everyone in the room, not just me. Um, and he helped me break news. He knew I was new and he like gave me a little tidbit of information. Like he was really sweet. And now recently all this like Gabrielle union stuff came out. She said that he was, you know, sort of engendering a terrible workplace environment. And like, obviously I don't get on board with that and I support her. So it's a bummer because I no longer am giving that answer. (laughs) But other than that, um, I like am so obsessed with Sophia Bush. I interviewed her really quickly, but didn't get a ton of time. And my dream is to interview her again. Um and who else did I really love? Um, I got to talk to Jamila Jamil and Billy Porter at the Emmys. And Billy Porter and I had a moment. Like he cried on the red carpet with me. He made me cry and then IMDB is like in a bus in my IFB in my ear and all the people are crying in the bus <laughs> like it was like oh my so god amazing he's such an inspiration
0: what's it like to because you know so i don't know if you're watching it and it's probably horrible to you but i'm watching the morning show
1: no i'm a mess um, i actually just wrote an op-ed about it it's so good.
0: okay 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 good i didn't know if it was like a medical doctor watching like chicago med and being like oh my god this is not what it's like but no, i No, it
1: scares like- me because it is so spot on like i don't use the word trigger because you know hashtag millennial but uh-huh. it is triggering <laughs> like it's so True. spot on. Okay.
0: okay wow that makes me love it even more but i'm addicted to it um but I keep thinking back or that reminds me of the episode when, when um, Jennifer Aniston is like going to start crying because like when they're intervie- interviewing during the fire, are you caught up? And Whatever. They're interviewing this guy who's saving, who's sorry if I'm spoiling anything for everyone, but they're interviewing this guy who's been saving dogs during the fires Yep. and Jen just starts like almost crying and they're like, cut, I mean, like, go to commercial and they're like freaking out because she's showing emotion. But like, is that what it's like?
1: You know, it's so crazy you say that because I actually had a moment when i was on the jam that i felt like that and i call, i was in the hair and makeup room like doing my makeup and getting ready and i was so you know when you wake up at 2:45 a.m. every day your circadian rhythm is off so you're already emotional like just you wake up feeling off you know and so do that for like a year and you're exhausted and you can't catch up so i was already exhausted and then i had to talk about this topic that just felt like I felt like a hypocrite and I never lie on TV. Like that's my number one rule is in podcasts and it ever like, it's just like show up as yourself because Gloria Steinem always says that the most feminist thing we can do is share other women's stories and each other's stories, honestly. Um, and I really subscribe to that. And so I just was like, so, and I started hysterically crying in the makeup room and I called my mom And she kind of calmed me down, but when I was on air, I started like tearing up and my co-host was like pinching my leg, like, get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and there's like a self-importance wrapped up in it too, right? Where it's like, it's not that big of a deal, just get through it. But you feel like when you're in it, it just feels important. What
0: was the story about?
1: Uh, Kat Sadler had quit her job at E because of equal pay. And when I was at the jam, I was making a third less than my male co-host. And I knew it from the moment I started the show and there was nothing I could do about it. And I just was, I was mad about it every single day. And when I had to talk about that, I was like, I'm the cat. How am I supposed to go up there? I'm the cat. Uh-huh. You know? Wow. Uh, yeah. No. I
0: mean, ooh, yeah. I would be a really, really, really bad morning TV host, I think, because I'm- You're so I, I'm. Well, that I'm so beyond too honest. I, I'd I'd be like the Reese Witherspoon character and like absolutely say fuck on air like way too many times. Yeah. But I, not only that, I'm constantly crying. Like I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm the most emotional person ever. So like I would be fired in one minute. I would have cried, said fuck, cried, said fuck, and then been fired. Like it would. But have
1: honestly, hard. I feel like that's what people crave on TV. Like. I don't know. When I see somebody like, that's why Reese Witherspoon's character is so like endearing. You're just like, finally somebody that's not putting a facade on. Yeah. I kind of felt that way about Hillary Clinton's campaign. Like, I don't know if this is tangential, but I felt like part of what hurt her campaign. And I'm a huge Hillary supporter to this day um, is that she grew up during a time where women had to show less, like little to no emotion and just be stalwart and not like just like keep up with the boys, and a lot of the women in our generation were taught to like use our words and be more emotional and and speak our minds and I feel like there was a disconnect for people, and I think it's like you see that in the morning show, like Jen Aniston is grandfathered in, and she's like she was taught to be unemotional and just be up there and Reese Witherspoon is like this young you know, crazy new reporter who got her job because she went viral. And it's just, it's like very symbolic, I think.
0: Yeah. I think it's so smart. I mean, I really, I, I love it. Um, I'm curious of like a difficult time that you've had to experience in your career. And then I'm also curious how you managed to come out on top, because I would definitely say you're on top and I could definitely assume you've dealt with some shit. So I would love to hear the whole thing.
1: There's been a bunch. I feel like I've had PMS for my whole career. (laughs) But I guess that's because I have like this sense of urgency. I like am wanting to always create and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I had before I moved to Chicago for the morning show, I had a job that I was so unhappy at. I like I broke out into hives. I would cry in the bathroom during lunch. Like it was really um, tough. And I felt like I had to just power through because like, you know, when you have a any In any industry, when you have a job that ha- there's just a few positions, you just feel very grateful to even be there. Yeah. And then it's like, wait, but I'm just not happy. So what does that mean? Uh, which is really confusing. And you kind of almost have to like grieve the dream you once had, which I've learned to do, I think this year too, in different ways. And then honestly, the hardest thing was leaving the jam because um, I really loved that job and I think I would have stayed one more year at least but when they went to renew my contract they offered me um like you know a minimal raise and and I knew how much my co-host was making and I decided to not even negotiate because I realized that if they weren't able to see the value I brought I was never going to be able to convince them of that after you know a year and a half of Booking my own interviews and coming in early and writing my own segments and creating segments for other people, and you know, all the things that you do when you are going above and beyond. And so I was really scared to leave. I had little to no savings. Um, I was moving back to LA. I didn't have a job, and my identity was so wrapped up in what I did. Um, And I was like, I wonder if I'm ever going to work again. Like, this could be the last gig, you know? And I only say this because my mom and I actually had this conversation and she was like, I think it's important that that's a story that you tell because other girls and women should hear that you can take the leap and the net will appear. Like You should never just put up with the nonsense.
0: No. I mean, it's similar to what we were speaking about earlier. It's like, I personally, I think there's a difference between taking the leap and trusting that you'll safely land. And then there's a difference between that and then always having a net in place and just ca- like kind of settling because you're afraid. Totally. And I love that you shared that because even with me starting Inner Babe, it was like I was a performer. Yeah. It was like, am I going to walk away from being an actress? Like the one thing I've done my entire life, the one thing I, th- the only thing I thought I could do at one point mm-hmm. to go down a completely different road and like hope that it works out. But if it's meant to, it does. And I also think that by taking that leap you create the space for something better to come. So I'm I'm glad that you have that story to tell because it definitely worked out.
1: Well, you hear these stories that people tell and you're like, well, they could do that because they had financial backing or they could do that because um you know like not to what Kat Sadler did was so brave, but she was like she had made a name for herself, you know? Like no one cares who I am. <laughs> like Wow! Well, no, no, it's true. Like I think that you know, every it's it's all very relative. But what I learned from doing it was like it doesn't matter. It doesn't like, the the power, the fame, the money, any excuse you're making is just that. It's an excuse. Like take the leap. Take the
0: leap. Love it. I'm actually I just launched my group program, and that's the whole thing. You got to
1: take the leap. I was actually thinking about signing up. Uh oh. Please do. What do you think?
0: Please sign up. I think that would be I think that would be wonderful. Or maybe I'm having people come and speak to the group, so maybe you can come and speak to the group.
1: That's fine, but I honestly want to be a part of it. I feel like I need some 2020 magic. Oh baby, please do me the honor. <laughs> I think it's so cool that you're doing that. Well, I mean, it's my baby. It's talk about a passion project. Yeah, but it's gonna blow up.
0: Let's hope. But speaking of your inner babe. I would love to know who your inner babe is. It's my favorite question to ask.
1: My inner babe is a person who is really honest with herself and holds boundaries really clearly. It's something I struggle with a lot. And I know I'm at my happiest when I am honoring what I'm truly feeling in my actions and my words. I want to be a person of integrity that other people know where they stand and know that they can trust my word, whether it's something like I'll meet you at five o'clock and I'm there at 4.55 or as big as like call me when your boyfriend breaks up with you or you need to go to the hospital, like that type of a thing. I'm a person who chooses passion and um, and a project over money always, and an experience over money. A person who will not settle in relationship, I want big love. In my friendships, in my family relationships, and in my relationship, like my partner in life, I um, someone explained, said this to me once, they said I was so in love with her that I didn't want to get up off the couch to go to the grocery store. And I knew exactly what he meant, like that feeling when you're just so obsessed with someone and I want to find that in a healthy way. I'm not sure I've had that in a healthy way. And I'm a person who's serving others. I really want to wake up every day and make decisions and speak, uh, from a place of love and a place of service beautiful, almost as beautiful as you.
0: Honestly, you're just so honest. And I think if that's, what's important to you, you're fucking doing it. So thank you for being you because we need more honesty in this world.
1: Thank you. I so appreciate this interview. It's like Tony Robbins always says, if you want better answers, ask better questions. And it's kind of like what I live my life by as an interviewer. And, um, Usually I'm the one asking the questions. And so to have to think because of your thoughtful questions is such a gift. Thank you.
0: Oh, well, thank you for being here. And thank you all for listening. I will see you back next time. And hopefully I'll have a voice. But just to remind you that the inner babe, you already have her. So just keep tuning in to find her. And I promise we'll set that bitch free. Hey guys, it's Jack again. I'm still here. But now that you've listened and you know who your inner babe is and what she's all about, you might be wondering exactly how you can find her, ignite her, and then set that bitch free. Well, the good news is there are a lot of ways. First things first, find me on Instagram, at Jack Goulds, where I go even deeper on some of the topics I cover on the podcast. I share personal anecdotes, a lot about my dog... (laughs) and truthfully aim to bring a dose of honesty to your feeds and I'd love nothing more than to connect with you on there. And then if you really can't get enough, you can also read my blogs, check out my recipes, and even sign up for a quick breakthrough session to learn more on yourinnerbabe.com. But finally, and most importantly, if you know someone or you're someone who could benefit from a total reconnection to themselves and increased overall self-worth, you can find out more about my business and about my approach to mentality coaching at any of the aforementioned channels. DM me on Instagram. I always respond. Contact me through the website. Email me at Jacqueline at yourinnerbabe.com. And please, please comment and subscribe to this podcast. You guys listening and spreading the inner babe word means the absolute world to me. This episode was produced by Dante32.